It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is supported by SafeBand. SafeBand is the indigo silicon wristband that lets people know that you, or a member of your family, has been vaccinated to protect them from COVID-19. And with every SafeBand that's ordered by you, or people like you, we donate one to a frontline key worker or vulnerable member of the community. Slowly, life will return to how it once was. Until then, we're determined to get things back to normal for those who've taken the first step. Find out more by clicking the link in the description or visiting safeband.me. Hello, welcome to another episode this week of the Spurs show in association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. An extra show after the appalling performance last night in Zagreb. The only saving grace being we aren't all still travelling back from Croatia after watching that lifeless, negative debacle of display on the back of a similar display in the North London derby. Our Spurs fans, contrary to what other supporters may say, were a patient lot. One trophy in 20 years is testament to that. But a few seasons ago, we started to dream. We started to believe in a bright new future. Back-to-back Champions League qualifications, attacking exciting football from players that we fell in love with. And there was this belief, though, that there could still be something more done on the pitch to get us to the next level. Whatever reason that didn't happen, and two transferless transfer windows, a testament to that on-the-pitch ambition. An extraordinary Champions League run was the highlight of this period, but the disappointing defeat in Madrid turned out to be the end of a chapter and not the beginning of a chapter that we wanted as fans. Myself and Theo brought you a show as Pochettino was sacked and we surmised he'd lost the dressing room and certain players didn't want to respond to him anymore. And now we're in the same situation, this time with a trophy-laden manager who the majority of us accepted and his methods and tactics in the return for glory. There were glimpses of good play, notably at Old Trafford this season, but the football's got so bad that the Europa League was probably the tournament we thought was our real chance to get us a pot 
a return back to the European top table. Today, that dream is in shatters. Who is to blame? Why has it happened? Where do we go from here on the afternoon after our captain revealed there are divisions in the dressing room? Joining me to answer those questions, my co-host, Theo Delaney. How are you, Theo? Uh. <laughs> try that's all try I can say. sentence together. Oh, that's it. That's all you're getting. This is... Uh, <laughs> This is like a sort of proper group therapy. And joining us in the round, having group therapy, Abby Summers returns. How are you feeling today, Abby? Uh, I didn't sleep very well. I'm still very, very angry. Um, but I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to find some reason in in all of this. Um, but happy, happy to be on with you guys um, to have a little bit of group therapy. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And finally, the voice of doom. And he's just so you know, he's in the car on the way back from hospital after heart palpitations from last night's game. So if his sound dips in and out, we know that. Robert Eason, how are you, Rob? I'm fine, Mike. I mean, obviously we've hit rock bottom because I got the call last night to come on the show. So <laughs> you always know you always know when we hit when we hit the bottom. Rob, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you the first question. And this is what I'm gonna ask you. I can't remember you liking any manager at Tottenham. <laughs> I think every manager you've coated, even Pochettino at the end, there was no plan B. So I know what you're going to say about Jose, but is there any manager that you like and think would do a good job at Tottenham? Well, I have a right to criticise because I've been a Tottenham fan through and through since the mid-70s and I've been home and away all over the world, every country, watching Spurs. And, you know, as, as you know, because we've watched a lot of matches together, uh, we've been through thick and thin, and that gives us an opinion and the right to an opinion. <clears throat> and it's not so much that um, I don't like the managers or coaches of the past. It's just I feel I have the right to criticise when they deserve to be criticised. And I feel I have the right today on this show to criticise our current coach as well as other aspects of the football club um, because uh, at the moment things are not working. Um, and things are not happening and things are in crisis, which I believe is your title of uh, the show today or one it's of the... title of most shows this season, in fairness. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, if you look up the definition of crisis, the word danger is involved. And we have a danger of the season obviously collapsing, but also, you know, the very core of the team and the very core of, of the club. Um, in, in, in dire uh, uh, trouble at the moment and dire, in dire danger. Theo, let me bring you in now. Uh, where do we go from here? Because you did the show on Tuesday. You were pretty down, obviously, rightly so, after the North London derby. Another appalling, appalling performance. But all of us, a bit like that Bayern Munich in the Brighton game, most of us thought, tune it up. You know, he's going to get a reaction. Anyone, anyone, they're professional footballers. Whoever's on that pitch, there'll be a reaction. Come on, let's go at them and all that. We all knew we needed one goal, one goal, and then they needed to score uh, four goals. And so even when I saw the lineup, which, you know, was, was still, I mean, Harry Kane was playing, we were just expecting us surely just to go out, get that goal, and that's it. And it didn't happen again, did it? Well, I must admit, I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion, 2 0 going away from home to a club like Real, uh, to uh, Dinamo Zagreb, who are a club with a proud tradition, one of the names of Europe, you know, and, uh, you know, Luka Modric is a, is a son of Dinamo Zagreb. So I didn't think it was definitely done and dusted, especially considering how well we played 
against Arsenal, not very well at all. Yeah, but you didn't think we were going to lose 3 0. Did you think we were going to lose 3 0? I thought it was not impossible. The bookmakers had us. <laughs> uh, do you know the bookmakers? I said it I on know. the show. They had us at 50 to 1 on to I qualify. Know. That seemed a little bit. Uh, excessive to me. But during the show, uh, Terry Gibson, a man who's worn the white shirt with distinction, uh, he's had a fa- fabulous playing career at Manchester United. And, and, and knows his football. And, knows he, his football. and not only that, he's not just an ex-pro. Yeah, he is a man who is a student of football. He's a, he's a full-time journalist, expert on European football. And he said to me, don't worry, there'll be a reaction. The players know they've got to react to this. And we'll be fine. We're a much better team than them. And we'll go there and expect us to win the game and, and sail through. <laughs> Abby, you've been very, very lucky. You have been managed to go into the grounds and seen some of the games this season. I know you're at another debacle in Merseyside against Everton. I know a lot is said about, you know, Mourinho out and, and we're going to talk about that further and, and who thinks that the board should be doing it. But a lot of the blame has got to be at the door of the players. The same players... You know, give or take Reggion, Doherty, uh, Vinicius, Bale, who played under the previous manager. And we have the same problem now as we had when Pochettino was sacked. Players, and don't, another thing I like to say to people is, you know, and people are saying they're not good enough, they're not good enough, not good enough. Beginning of the season when we were top of the league in December, everyone was saying this is the best squad we've had in the Premier League. All the pundits say this is the deepest squad, the best squad. You don't become bad players overnight. So why have they become bad players? For, for me, look, like, like you said, they are fundamentally, the core of our team is still a lot of the players that were there under, under Pochettino, okay? The same players that moaned about having double trading sessions, the same players that went to Daniel Levy, and, and I know this, and I actually only recently found this out, and I, and I actually can't believe that these players went to our chairman and said they did not want Pochettino as their coach anymore after all he's done for them. I find that... Do you know which players might... Do you know which players did that or just in general? I don't I don't know names, but I found, I found this out very, very recently that players went to our chairman and said, we do not want to play for Maurizio Pochettino anymore, which I found, find abominable. Player power now, isn't it? It's player power. It is. And it's something that I feel that, you know, Pochettino made a lot of these players into what they are, you know? Um, and... Uh, a lot of them have a very good relationship still with Pochettino. And I find it absurd that these that some of these players went to our chairman and said they didn't want to play for him anymore. And they still have the audacity to, you know, speak of him so highly. And, you know, now they moan about they're not being trained hard enough. And, you know, they're clearly not happy and things like that. So, look, you cannot sack a 25-man squad. We know that. So it all, the buck will always stop with the manager, regardless of who it is, whether we like it or not. We can all disagree with Jose Mourinho. You know, I think it, it's a very tough act to follow in terms of Pochettino. And this isn't even a Pochettino debate, but for some reason, he always gets brought into it because of how much he was loved at the club. And, you know, there's always going to be those comparisons between the two because lots of people didn't want to see him go. Forced to have it, We were forced to have it done. And obviously, Jose came in and a lot of us didn't like that. You know, but a lot of us accepted that while we were still winning, yeah, while we were playing attacking football. And, we, and we, were, we were getting, you know, we were getting results. I feel like people were drawn a line under it coming into this season. Um, and thought, you know what, we'll give it, we'll give it a fair go, we'll give it a crack of the whip with Jose, regardless whether or not we don't like him being ex-Chelsea and things like that. But the squad is fundamentally the same. Yes, we've brought in Reggion. Yes, we've brought in Hoybier. Yes, we, you know, we're getting the best out, out of Ndombele now. You know, we have brought in players, but fundamentally underneath that, it's still the same core. You know, it's the same attack. You know, without without Bale now coming into it, it's the same defenders that were still there, bar Reggion. It's the same goalkeeper. 
you know, you know, and, and I just feel that a lot of it comes from recruitment. You know, I just think a lot of us probably isn't good enough. I don't think that they probably have lived up to their potential in some aspects. Yes, we, you know, and I'm not picking out random players, but you can say Eric Lamella. Okay, it's been a few years and years. And years. Yes, we've had two Rabonas, fantastic. Glenn Hoddle said yes on yesterday's game about Lamella, the Jew is still out. And Robert messaged me and said, <laughs> Jew is still out, he's been here eight seasons. <laughs> but, but that's what I mean. I just, I just think, I, I just think the recruitment has a lot to answer for. And that, and that, that comes from the board. And also you have to have a look, hiring and firing managers, that also comes from the board. You know, they have such a big um, role in everything that goes on. They don't let the manager pick and choose, you know, who who they, they who they buy and sell. But every manager will give a list to, to their chairman, to their board, and say, this is who I want. And it seems Tottenham will always end up getting the third, fourth, fifth choice instead of the first choice. And I think that's a big issue as to where, you know, we've we've gone stale in certain areas. Um, and I, I think everything is, is I, I think it's a compilation of the board, the squad, the manager, all having a really poor mentality. And I think that, I just think that stems from the top. And I think that we've seen it years and years and years, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. How many semifinals or finals have we been in? Can never get over the line. Um, and for me, I, I looked at it with, okay, Jose Mourinho's here. And people will say, you can't always go off his resume, but resumes do talk for themselves. He's won an awful lot, regardless if we like him not or, or like the clubs he's managed. He is proven in terms of winning trophies. And I felt that, okay, he's come in here. Surely, if anyone is going to change the mentality of this club, it has to be him. And I just I just don't know where we go from here because, you know, we are going to be probably the first club he's won nothing at, you know, regardless of if we think his tactics are outdated and a dinosaur. He still, he, he, he won a Europa League. You know, and a Carabao Cup with that United side that was with an average Man United side as well. That side was piss poor, okay. And he still managed to win two trophies with it. And we've got far better. We have better individuals. You know, not I'm not saying the whole squad, but we have got better individuals. I feel than we're in that Man United squad, and he could still get them over the line. So, what does that say about our mentality as a club as a whole and the attitude of everyone involved that he cannot get? Anything we, we can't get a tune out of us. Tune up at Dynamo Zagreb or a North London derby. Let's pick up on that, Robert. You've coached. You've coached at a, a decent level. Jose Mourinho yesterday in the post-match conference sort of said the player again. And how many times have I had this season? The players didn't do what he wanted. He has said many times this season, and he said this last night. I told them to go out and attack. They didn't. He's basically said the coach has said the players are not listening to me. The, the basically said the players are not listening to me. And Hugo Luis came out last night and said there are divisions in the dressing room. There are players that aren't playing regularly who are moaning about it. And I remember me and Theo, we did a live show with Ryan Mason and he talked to us about the early days of Pochettino and how the youngsters saw that Manicini players were, were laughing and joking after defeats. And Mason had one up, I think it was Kabul, had him up against the, you know, the wall in the dressing room and all that. What is going on? But if players... Stop listening to you as a coach, Rob. Sure, that means you're gone. There's this. What can you do if you can't get players to listen to you? You, if, if your chairman's going to come to you, go. I'm really sorry, Rob. Rob, I think you're a great coach. I love your ideas. I agree with what you're trying to do. But the problem is, I've got 25 guys there. I've got their agents in my ear. They don't like your methods. They don't like the way you're playing. I, I can't lose some of them, Rob. I can't lose them. I'm really sorry. Here's your P45. What else are you going to do? Um, first of all, well said, Abby Summers. Uh, she basically summed up in a nutshell that the problems that are at the club at the moment, and I couldn't agree 
more with every word that she said. But what you're saying, Mike, is, you know, what, what's the problem? What do we do next? It's a systematic problem that has run through the club for 20 years. We haven't just had this conversation today. We need to have a, light, a slightly longer memory than just last night. We have to go back over 20 years of failed managers and failed players, okay? And when you start to review that 20 years, and I'm, it's ironic that I'm in a road where I first opened my first business 20 years ago, um, that you start to understand that the problem at the club and the mentality of the players, the mentality of the managers, is coming from an angle from the leadership of the overall control of the club. And we've said it many, many times, and last night just reinforced it one more time for me, that we are not a club interested in winning trophies. We are not a football club as such where we want to win things. Someone said to me today, where, where would you put Spurs in the last 10 years in terms of in the top teams in Britain? And you would have to say we're, we're in the top six. Would you say? Would you agree with me with that? Yeah, of course. Well, but we had, not the, where we've ended up, yeah. In, in the league, yes. The league says that. Okay. It, it, except one difference between us and the other five. They've won stuff. <laughs> They've won trophies, including Leicester. And we have never won a trophy in that time. It's interesting you mentioned Leicester because I had a conversation um, last night with one of my friends uh, actually about Leicester and I said and it was about Brendan Rodgers and he said would you take Brendan Rodgers? I said well, of course I'd take Brendan Rodgers I think he's a great coach. I said but why would Brendan Rodgers leave Leicester? I said you know they've got a very good side they buy and sell very very well they've got a chairman and a board that back them every window and do it really really well and he said well Spurs is a bigger club than Leicester. I said okay but that that's your, your opinion because you're a Spurs fan. You're, you're probably a little bit biased. I said, I'm not saying Leicester and Spurs, you know, are miles apart in terms of being a big or, or not club. I said, but the difference is, I said, if you have a look in the last 20 years, who's actually the more successful club? You'd have to say it would be Leicester. They've won, a, they've, they've won, they've won the league. Yes, Spurs, you say, oh, well, Spurs got to a Champions League final, but did they win it? Oh, they got to a Carabao Cup, you know, semi-final or final or an FA Cup final. Great. Did they win it? So you'd have to say, if you're measuring success, on trophies, which obviously a lot of people do nowadays, you'd have to say that Leicester have had more success than Spurs. And if you're a player, who would you put out of the two that's more likely to do something and win a trophy? So, so Abby, is, is over the last 15 years, there's all these players who failed to um, achieve and all these managers, of which we had phenomenal managers, have failed to achieve. There is obviously one, only one common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, 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 let's talk about Enoch in the middle. Theo, you're sitting there. I, I'm sorry you've waited a little bit longer to get your second bid in. <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about Jose Mourinho, because as Rob said there, Mourinho has brought in, and, and Abby as well, has brought in, uh, you know, a serial winner has come in. Now, what most Spurs fans have generally not liked, and I think a lot of the players don't like, and you can see it, is the style of football. Most Spurs fans are happy to see us lose at Everton 5-4, because what a game of football, we really went through it. We, You know, on the front foot, Crystal Palace 4-1, great performance. Man United 6-1, Southampton, I think it was 5-1, whatever. Great performances on the front foot, playing really well. When last night, when we get the ball in midfield and the ball's going back and sideways, I mean, how many years have we seen this? Not just under Mourinho, let's be honest. 
what has got to be done? Would you just, would, if you were Daniel Levy, would you be sacking Jose Mourinho tomorrow? It depends what the option. I mean, Jose Mourinho is going to be sacked, but that's for sure. But it's just a question of when. He could be sacked today if he's got a if he's got a good option to get for, for either for between now and the end of the season or beyond. Then he will sack him, or he might get sacked at the end of next season if we're really unlucky. Who knows? But he will be sacked. I think we're giving him actually a bit of an easy ride, Mourinho, because a lot of people said when he arrived, he is proven he is a serial winner, and that's true. But all of the great managers, with absolutely no exception, I mean, the only real exception is uh, Alec Ferguson. They all lose yeah. it in the end, and and that's partly because a very very good point. People lose it in whatever job you do, especially if it's a kind of a creative job like that. Eventually, your powers will wane. Right, that's the sad. That's life. Or the industry you work in, Theo, changes, and you don't change with it. Exactly what I was going to say. The, oh, the, the industry will. <laughs> the industry it moves on, and some people either refuse to change or they're incapable of change. They just can't. They get to a certain age, like people do. You know, when they when they, they're just not able to adapt and to change and evolve. All managers end up losing it, and they and most men. I always say it's that old saying about politicians: all political careers end in failure. You could say exactly the same thing about football managers. I mean, look at when Fabio Capello came to be the England manager; he'd never failed anywhere. He was the best manager in the world. We couldn't fail. He was useless, <laughs> right? When George Graham came to Tottenham, he'd never failed. He'd done incredible things, first at Millwall, then at Arsenal. He turned Leeds around. He was the best possible available option. We were prepared to accept all of his history, even the bad football. Is This is George Graham all over again. Yeah, very good point. Abby, I mean, Abby, our best... I mean, you think what he's saying is very true. Our best managers under Enoch have been Martin Yole, no experience. Harry Redknapp, okay, did well with West Ham and whatever, but, you know, didn't really kind of win any trophies, but played a good style of football. And Pochettino, another one, hadn't won anything. There's the best three managers we have had under Enoch. You know, we even had Glenn Hoddle. We all love Glenn Hoddle. He'd won stuff at Chelsea. Couldn't do it with us. It's, uh, look, we all know that it comes from the top, but all the Spurs fans, you know, on social media, Levy out, Enoch out. Guess what, everyone? They own the club. They are not selling until someone comes in and gives them the money they want. And at the moment, due to COVID, no one's going to have big money. No one knows when fans are going back in the stadium. So Enoch are going nowhere. There's no point discussing it. There's no point going on. We all agree, or I hope that we all agree, they have not invested enough on the pitch, lovely stadium, lovely skywalk, lovely training ground, lovely tour, wonderful, lovely club shop. Oh, I love the club shop. They do not invest enough on the pitch. For whatever reason, they haven't. And again, the proof are in the stats. Look at our net spend. They have not invested enough on the pitch. Now, there's no point moaning about that because me and you can't do anything about it. We don't work for Spurs probably don't want to work for Spurs. You know, it, there's nothing we can do about it. So what can we as fans do? I, I mean, everything you've just said, spot on. I was going to say all of the above. Um, there's, this, there's this big issue with fans, though. You know, you can't, you know, if you're pro-Enoch and pro-Levy, their argument is, oh, but look at where they've taken the club since the 90s. No one's arguing that. No one's saying we haven't, you know, progressed. But look at any football club. Look at Leicester, look at Everton, look at Wolves, look at any club. We've all moved into the 21st century. Yes, we have an incredible stadium. It had to happen. Yes, we've got a great training ground. Again, it had to happen. That's your requirement as an owner of a football club. You have to move with the times. 
you know, and they do run it like a business, not a football club. And I get it. Fundamentally, it's a business that you have to match the exact same ambition you put in off the pitch on it as well. And I, I don't care how many people say about, you know, they do look at the next bed. It's about the quality you bring in fundamentally. And they don't match that level of ambition that all the other clubs around us do, maybe bar Arsenal. Um what, as you said, they're not going anywhere. They want, you know, two billion, probably now more. That was pre-COVID, what they based the club at. Who in their right mind is going to take that now? Pre-COVID, we were so... And, and also, we were more... Attra- not even Amazon. People going, Amazon, Amazon. Amazon going to buy Tottenham Hotspur? <laughs> you know, with all the debt we've got. And also now, you know, if you look at us, how we were pre-COVID, we were in a much better position. We'd just come off a Champions League final. We still had Champions League football going into that 2019-20 season. Um, and things were a lot more, you know... Uh, profitable and happy for, for Spurs, you know, despite all that. And now you look, we're nowhere near top four level. I can't foresee us, you know, getting anywhere close close to that this season, despite what the table may say. We don't deserve to be up there anyway. Um, we're not going to win it. We're probably not going to win a cup. I seriously doubt we're going to win the Carabao Cup, you know, a hope and a prayer, maybe, maybe if we all, you know, look to God for some, <laughs> for, for some type of it. But Abby, that's not even going to change anything. It's not, not it's not going to change not anything. Gonna, we're not even going to have a good good day out like we did against Chelsea in 2008. Agreed. Great day out. Great day out. Not even getting that. It's not going to change anything. So, you know, we are stuck with them. And unfortunately, that is something, you know, everyone knows how I feel about the club uh, in terms of how it's run. Um, you know, I, I understand Daniel Levy is probably just a, a puppet um, in terms of, you know, what Joe Lewis wants fed to the fans and things like that. It is what it is. There's there's nothing we can do about it. But what happens is they're going to change the manager again at some point. I don't think it'll be anytime soon. I think he'll wait till after the Carabao Cup. I think that that's... He made a very big decision in Nick and Daniel Levy to sack Pochettino. It was a very unpopular decision. And no break clause in... in, in uh... Mourinho's, he was so blinkered to get Mourinho. Of course. You know, he's meant to be a wonderful businessman. No break clause. I think that's a big, big error. But he absolutely loved, he loved Jose. He wanted Jose from, you know, years and years and years ago. He, his, like that for him, he, he absolutely adored the guy. So he saw an opportunity and thought, you know what, we'll get rid of Poch. It's obviously not going right. I've had certain, the certain players have come to him, whatever has gone wrong. We'll get in Jose, we'll give him everything I, I've got and he's going to take us to where we need to be. And we're gonna we, we can't get rid of him. How how could we afford to even get rid of him at this moment in time when we you know we keep saying we've got no money? You know, be ridiculous to spend 45 35 million, million. 35, 40 million on sacking another manager when that money plus compensation to get someone else in, probably exactly. And the money we need, that money has to go back into the squad. So I don't even think there's a point of it. Um as to as to you know where they go next. I don't know, because I think he'll keep him for the Carabao Cup because his argument will be, if we won a Carabao, if we win that Carabao Cup somehow, his argument will be, well, we won a trophy. That's what I brought him in to do. We won a trophy. You know, it won't wash with all of us, but that would be his argument. Um, and, you know, again, it comes down to how do, how do we all measure success? Are we happy to keep getting top four and not winning a trophy? Are you happy with finishing 10th and getting a Carabao Cup? Are you happy, you know, to get to, you know, to get to semi-finals and finals and not winning it, but you, you get Champions League football every year? And that's where, where do we measure success? Where does the board measure success? Because I feel like their, their success is measured by qualification every year. And for me, that's why I don't think Pochettino, a lot of the time, probably his downfall didn't take Cup so seriously because the focus was always on finishing in the top four at any cost. So he knew what his he he knew the squad he had. You know, he, who knew them better than Pochettino? He knew what resources he had. He had two seasons away from White Hart Lane. He had 
two, you know, two, two or three windows without anything. And he thought, well, my chairman is telling me I've got to get top four. So that's what I've got to prioritise, whether I like it or not. And obviously, we'd overachieved, we've got to semi-finals and things like that, but could never finish the job. So now, if, if that's what Daniel Levy measures his success on and, and the board by getting those, you know, the money from Champions League, this has to be a complete failure because we're nowhere near it. Yeah. Let's go to a very quick break. And then we come back, Rob, we're going to talk about the players who's not good enough, who should stay, who should go, and talk about when it does happen, and I agree with Abby, it will happen, who should come in. Back after this break. And we're back from the break. Uh, don't forget the season win association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. I know we gave out the odds on the show on Tuesday that Theo presented. Since that, it's changed. Jose Nails 10-3 to to be the next Premier League manager to lose his job. He is second favourite to lose his job uh, before any other Premier League manager. Favourite is Steve Bruce of Newcastle. A lot of, you could argue very, very similar clubs. Mike Astrid, Daniel Levy, how things are run. Jose 10-3 to now to lose his job go to williamhill.com if you haven't already downloaded the app check out the website and app for all the enhanced prices in the build-up to kick off rob i was just going through the last program here with our our squad and i've written down three four five six nine i've written down 14 players in the whole squad that i would keep next season uh, these are the players I'd keep, Rob. Uh, I'm not going to mention the one. Well, you can, you can guess the ones that I think should go. I keep Lloris, Reguillon, Hobier, Bale because he's on loan, Kane, Rodon, Lacelso, Delhi, Tanganga, Mora, Undombele, Davis, and Son. All the others I think could actually be moved on now, which is basically uh, I don't think Doherty is good enough. Sanchez is good enough. Winks is good enough. Lamella's good enough. Hart is good enough. Dar's good enough. Sissoko's not good enough. Uh, Foyce on loan anyway. Bergwijn not good enough. Oe not good enough. Vinicius not good enough. A lot of players there. Rob, your thoughts? Well, uh, the whole team, yeah, needs reinventing. A lot of players on the downward side of their career. Actually, the goalkeeper, I'm sorry. I think he's on the downward side of his career. Yeah, I've kept him because he's the, he's the team captain and he looks like he cares. That's the reason I'm keeping him. All great teams are built on on a, on a very, very strong spine. And I, I, that includes the keeper, obviously. And I think the keeper needs to be replaced. We need at least two top-class centre-halves to be brought in and, and another top-class central midfield player. That's without doubt. That's just to start with. I Look, I've been in America for a very long time and I'm very keen on American football and the way that they do the draft system, etc., and the way they study players and monitor players and what they go through, the tests they go through before they're accepted. What I can't understand every time I see Ndombele play is, I mean, like yesterday it looked like he was going to fall over every single time he put a sprint in. He's been out of shape, unfit, mentally not right. I wonder who does the tests when we go to buy players, whether we're buying players purely on an agent so and so but a player can then get an injury and then not come back or is rushed or is rushed back from an injury that happens a lot we are going to need to reinvent the team and obviously you don't buy you don't buy the team first and then put the manager in rogers is going to want a different player to a player uh, a coach like Mourinho will want so you you're going to need to get the manager sorted first 
He's on the downward side of his career. There's a lot of downward sides on their careers at the moment. And I think Mourinho needs to be replaced. I'm not going to get into the Mourinho argument because I'm a big fan of Mourinho in many ways. I just want to just bring Theo in very, very quickly. Because one thing that no no one thing that hasn't really, no one's really addressed yet is the Hugo Lloris comments yesterday. There are divisions. Sorry, let me get the quote. I don't like to get it wrong. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. But effectively he said, there are divisions in the dressing room. Theo, there's divisions in the dressing room. There's players that don't want to be there. Surely if that's the case, in any office, in any job, you move them. You move them like you did. They go and train with the under-18s. You move players that are moaning they're not playing week in, week out, and moaning to the other players, which Hugo Reese said is absolutely going on. You move them on. You bring in all the little youngsters that have been playing, coming on the bench in the Europa League, and you put them on the bench and you play them in these pointless games we've now got coming up in the league for the rest of the season. What else should we do? Yeah, well, maybe you're right now. Maybe that's the drastic thing to do. But how did it get to this? How did it get to a a problem where there's poison permeating the whole squad? Because the manager's job is to prevent that from happening. Every single top Premier League team has a big squad of 25 to 30 good players and only 11 play. So every single squad has got players who are disgruntled about not playing. But not any, there are no other squads that come out where the captain comes out on TV and says, well, there's a lot of players who are very upset and we've seen the result of this tonight. No one, None of the other clubs are saying that. So what's the difference? There's a guy who's part of a massive part of his job is to maintain some kind of unity and spirit. Pochettino didn't suffer that, although he, I mean, we know he rooted out some some bad influences early on, and that was brilliant. He, he laid down a marker. You you might argue he had to do that because he was unproven. He was a relatively obscure uh, figure. But Mourinho, what the, the recurring theme with Mourinho? We, we, you know, you have to accept this. The last two jobs, at least that he has had, he's ended up badly falling out with the players. He's ended up habitually coming out in front of the cameras and blaming the players, sometimes naming them and being extremely disrespectful and blaming players for everything that's gone wrong. He's more or less said in the uh, in the latter stages of his Chelsea job and the United job, and he's do- he's been doing it here almost from the beginning. What you just saw that just went wrong is not my fault. It's these players and the players in general. Now, uh, how he's got three big jobs in a row carrying on like that, I don't know, because you don't see other managers do that. These days, the top managers do the opposite of that. They become, fr- I mean, Pochettino was personal friends, a massive friend of all the, the irony of, of course, is that Mourinho almost invented that idea when he was first the special one at Chelsea. That's what he did. He was younger. He wasn't that much older than the players. And people like John Terry and Lampard and Drogba, they would die for him. And they said when he left, we're still in touch with him every day on the phone and everything. He's our mate. But now he's the opposite of that. So I don't blame... I, I don't. I mean, obviously the players... He's finished, uh, Theo. He's finished. He's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Point is discussing him. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. I agree. Abby, I mean, you know, we, we mentioned Brendan Rodgers there, but I mean, if you are talking about, I mean, what manager could you bring in now to have, please God, any slim hope we have left of keeping Harry Kane and probably Hongmin's son? I know they're under contract. I know Levy can stick his heels in for a while, but you can't really see them certainly extending a contract right now. At the very, very worst, they're run down, run down. There's a lot of thought now about cashing in at Kane now and using probably now in the market now 150, 160 million to reinvest in the club. That would probably buy you three, four players, the players that Rob's been talking about. That money could be used. I don't think most fans wouldn't want to see it. 
what manager could come in now, um, either for the rest of the season or the beginning of next season, and how and, and be good enough for Harry Kane to go. I want to play under this manager. I now I believe what he's just said to me in the dressing room in in the, in my in, in the office. I want to stay, and yes, we will win, win win trophies, which ultimately any professional player worth their salt wants to do. Um, I don't think anyone can do that now for Harry Kane. Um, personally, I think that Harry is 27. I think that Harry Kane has been more than patient, more than loyal. I think all of us are resigned to the fact that it's as heartbreaking as it will be. We kind of all want him to kind of go and flourish. I, I will cry. I of will course, cry like a small child. And when, when I say we want him to go, I don't mean yeah. it like we want him to go. I mean, like he deserves to probably yeah. go. And, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd accept it. We'd accept it. You know, it, it will be one of those things that it will be awful for us awful. because again, it will be another incredible player, one of our own that we couldn't, we couldn't achieve anything with. Give him what he needed to have. I only, my only thing with it is I think that he's priceless to Spurs in terms of marketing in terms of global in terms of the club he is the beacon of, of that club and I think Daniel Levy sees him as priceless and he's in contract he's still got quite a, quite a few years on that contract Daniel Levy can say I want 150 million for you you're not going anywhere unless I get that which I, I think he might do um I think that Son might be the one that actually leaves you know there was a lot of talk about Son having a new contract it was very very hot it was all but done um, you know, going back to September, October time, and it's gone completely ice cold. Um, you know, Son's come out and said this, I don't want to talk about contracts and things like that. You know, you would still get quite a lot of money for Son, maybe I think 70 to 80 million. Um, look, it's, you know, it's substantially smaller than what we probably get for Kane, but I still think it's, um, I think it's a, a stepping in the right direction in terms of monetary. Um, I think that will be one of the ones that we, that potentially would go maybe over Kane, because I just think that Daniel Levy won't sanction it. Um, I think Larice. I think we'll move Larice on, um, and I, I, I'm hopefully, hopefully a few others as well. Um, but in terms of manager who could come in and do that again, we're we're looking at another project, you know. Mm. And it begs the question. <laughs> it begs the question as we've come full circle. We had a man, a great manager, who you know was very patient, built the project, did everything right, you know, with the resources he had. Got things wrong here and there, but, you know, very small margins in, in those things. We're very, very happy, all of us, for five and a half years, pretty much, um, bar maybe six months. Um, and, you know, we let him go. I think that everything that's been, that had been built in that time, I think a lot of it's unraveled, a lot of it's gone now. Um, so we're looking at a new project. And a lot of the, the name that gets, you know, bought around all the time is Nagelsmann um, of Leipzig. He's like a, a pot 2.0. Um, and it's another project. It's another rebuild. It's, you know, he's going to, you know, Daniel Levy's going to say, you know, you do this and then I'll give you this amount of money to spend, prove yourself on this. And then it'll, it'll be the same pattern again. And, you know, yes, we'll probably play nice football, we'll play attacking football, we'll all be happy. But ultimately, if we still have the same transfer mentality and we're always going to go for the third and fourth options instead of the first and second in terms of who we bring in, nothing's going to change. Theo, um, just think about next season, if um, Mourinho is there, in the beginning of next season. And I know the waiting list and us Spurs fans, although we hate it, we begrudgingly pay our money over. But you think about corporate packages and things like that, that, that you know, they, they could look at it and think we could take a hit here because, look, the, the thing is, we haven't been in the ground this season, but the football's been... I mean, if I was in the ground this season, I would be standing up and booing 
booing the bench and, and just saying, this is awful. And I'm sure many others, especially with a few drinks inside of them, would be doing the same. They've got to be looking at that next season. We assume that fans will probably be allowed in, what, maybe Christmas time, December? So we'll probably start beginning of next season with no fans in there. So he might actually get away with it, with that first window. What, what, do, you, what do you think they're going to do? When do you think they will uh, push the button, which we all have agreed will happen at some stage? Well, I mean, it'll depend, as I said, on whether they can find uh, a suitable alternative. And it'll depend. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a monetary point of view, uh, as Abby, I think, said earlier, it costs so much money. You can buy a very good couple of players with the amount of money it costs to sack him. So it's not a small consideration, that. Um, but, yeah, as you say, if, if we continue to decline, if we end up, you know, finishing 10th and we don't win the Carabao Cup, he's got to go whatever happens, doesn't he, But by the by the end of this season. I do think it's a good point you make about the quality of the football and getting people through the door as well, because, um, I, you know, I'm not sure they sold out every single corporate um, option for every single game before locked before uh, covid i think there was there was sometimes there were there was uh, available capacity and you've got to have a team that first of all is a winning team but you also want a team with players that people star players that play well and play good football that people want to see if you want to sell out that kind of capacity that kind of stadium where there's so much of the seating and and the part of the business plan is the premium stuff and they've got a lot of choices in london you know there's a lot of places you can go those co- corporate types so, um, yeah, all of these things come into play. I mean, uh, it, it's inevitably be sacked because uh, he's not very good and he's not getting any better. <laughs> but, so the timing is only a matter of all these other is a, only a matter of all these other factors when they all come into alignment. And as I say, if it, you know, if Nagelsmann has said, oh, "I've fallen out with the Red Bull people. I'm available as of now. If you want to come and get me, I'd get him now. I'd do it now. I mean, for sure. But that's unlikely to be the case. What about a stopgap, uh, Rob? I mean, we're, we're, we're going to ask you, Rob. Actually, I'm going to ask you first. You know the ticketing very well. You, you've got the premium seats and all that. Did you notice at the tail end before lockdown that, that, that there, you know, there was a few tables here and there? Well, look, what I find ironic here is that we've just witnessed one of the worst performances in Europe in our club's history, and we're talking about are we going to fill up corporate lounges? <laughs> Yeah. To tell you the truth, my answer is, I don't know, and I couldn't give a toss. My answer is, I am horrified at the way that this team and this club, in footballing terms, has gone backwards and downhill. I mean, this is really the, the bottom line. And until we, Enix, need to change the chairman, to a man or woman who has a better balance of success in football and success in business and understands that football is an emotional sport which is predominantly there for fans to watch and enjoy. They then also need to replace the manager who is a dinosaur who, has, who, who manages and coaches football from the dark ages and he needs to be replaced. The chairman and the manager need to be replaced. And then they need a new spine. And if you're a Spurs fan, what I'd suggest is you lower your expectations and maybe get some therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that's what we were getting here. And on those pathetic words. And then maybe we'll fill up a few corporate boxes. 
Yeah, well, look, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel slightly better. I hope those of you at home or listening, wherever you are around the world, that's kind of helped. We haven't really, obviously, we, us four here, can't solve the conundrum that is Tottenham Hotspur. I think we are cursed. I think there was some kind of curse put on it somewhere in the ground because it's just... I mean, again, as you said, the, to lose to a team with a manager that had been imprisoned, in prison, actually put in prison, and still gets a tune. But it would only be Spurs that would ever happen to. Could still get a tune out of a team is just extraordinary. And I hope, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think we all agree here that Mourinho has to go. Uh, none of us think it would probably be now. Although I think most of us, I think most of us would say, do it now. Get someone in. Even if it was Glenn Hoddle coming in, Harry Redknapp putting a smile on the players' faces again, and we can play these pointless games with a smile on our face, and we can at least end the, you know, the end last few weeks, few months, with always seeing some good football again. I would do something like that now, just to get maybe people like Kane going. Well, you know what? I'm quite enjoying this. This this is this is quite good. I, that's what I do. But I think we all agree we can't see Enoch laying out thirty five million pounds in compensation. Theo, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. Abby, thank you so much for rushing back from the office (laughs) to join us in this another moan fest uh, from the Spurs show. Robert, thank you very much. I I think this could be the first show you've ever been on where we won't get hate mail. I genuinely believe that. (laughs) That the the football's got so bad that even the pro-Levy Jose brigade won't be seeing as death threats having you on the show. You really are the Salmon Rushdie of the Spurs show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, now I'm going to get some death threats. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back on... Oh, God, when are we back? Next Tuesday, we've got Chris Cowlin, Neil Ashby and Marcus Barkley on guard. We've got the, and they'll be talking about the Villa game. Can you imagine we lose to Villa as well? You think this show's bad? Wait till next week. Until then, come on, you Spurs. <laughs> This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.